Hello and welcome to Box Office Receipts. I'm your host, Tyler Callahan, and just like our last episode, there is a lot going on in Hollywood. We got box office numbers, quarterly earning reports, possibly sales, and new release dates. Let's start with the domestic top five. Putting in first place is Warner Brothers animated film DC League of Super Pets with 23 million. Dropping to second place was Nope with 18.5 million for a total of 80.6 million. In third place was Thor Love and Thunder with 13.1 million for a total now of 301.5 million. Fourth place was Minions The Rise of Gru with 10.8 million for a total of 320.4 million. Lastly, in fifth place was Top Gun Maverick with 8.2 million for a total of 650.1 million. So for Warner Brothers, I'd say this is an okay opening for Super Pets, but nothing great. Uh, While you do have The Rock and Kevin Hart in the leading voice roles and having their star power to help promote the film, the film itself is focused on the pets of the DC superheroes and not the superheroes themselves, so it has had an uphill battle from the start. What also does not help the film is the $90 million budget it has, so unless it holds well worldwide, it will not be making a profit from its theatrical release alone. Now maybe it becomes a big hit for the studio on HBO Max down the road, but right now for animated films at the box office this year, Minions was the only one to reach blockbuster status compared to Super Pets and Lightyear. Bad Guys, I give a pass because it's an original movie from DreamWorks. As for the rest of the films, Nope did okay with a 58% drop from opening weekend and will definitely pass $100 million domestically, possibly even finishing above 120. For Thor, I was wrong and it's likely now will not hit $350 million domestic. It will still beat Thor Ragnarok to be the biggest Thor movie domestically, but if it was a better film, it could have done so much more. And for next week, we have the last big movie of the summer with Bullet Train starring Brad Pitt leading a solid ensemble cast. We got a big opening in China this past weekend thanks to Moon Man, which opened to 130 million and with previews is now at 144 million. Detectives vs. Sleuths dropped to second place, making 3.5 million for a total of 98.1 million. Third place was Lighting Up the Stars with 3.3 million for a total of 243.3 million. Fourth place was Kaka, which opened to a dismal 1.48 million. Fifth place was a new children film, Crazy Kai Boon, Sandoxy's Spirited Away, which made 1.1 million in its opening. Also, The Lost City did open, however, did really, really bad. It came in eighth place, making 240,000. So, Moon Man did get people to go to the theaters in China. However, it did also suck all of the air out of the other films. Detectives vs. Sleuths, for example, dropped 76% from last weekend. That's a big drop. Still, theaters needed a film like this, and hopefully the releases from Chinese studios will be more consistent, assuming no more lockdowns. For worldwide numbers, DC League of Super Pets did open in 63 markets around the world, making 18.4 million for a worldwide opening weekend of 41.4 million. Again, it really has to hold well to make a profit from its theatrical run, which at this point means it needs to make 200 million worldwide minimum, but ideally 250 million or more. Thor Love and Thunder made 20.8 million for a worldwide total of 662 million, 
where the Crawdad Singh made 2.5 million for a worldwide total of 62.2 million. Minions The Rise of Guru is at 710.4 million after making another 25.4 million over the weekend. Jurassic World Dominion made 13.8 million for a worldwide total of 942.6 million. I wonder if Universal is going to make a late push for the film to see if they can get it to a billion. It's going to be close. And finally, Top Gun Maverick made 13.8 million for a total now of 1.32 billion. For news in Hollywood, let's start with Warner Brothers as Warner Brothers Discovery made a lot of news this week. Talk about Batgirl in the VOD premium section of the podcast, but for now, let's talk about everything else. Ben Affleck is back as Batman in Aquaman and the Last Kingdom. Jason Momoa posted a picture of him and Affleck about it. Now, while this is exciting news, don't get your hopes up in it being a big role. Rumors are that it will just be a scene or two that was originally with Michael Keaton, but since The Flash now comes out after Aquaman, that wouldn't make sense. Audience would be confused. Still, it's nice to see Affleck popping back in to be Batman once in a while, and hopefully he still can in some capacity. Not really sure what's going to happen with DC, though, with all these changes. Next to Warner Brothers news, Alan Horn is coming back as a consultant for the company. Horn previously ran the studio until 2013, where he was more or less forced out, and then went to work for Disney, where he recently left. As of now, David Zalif has said he will be a consultant during the transition phase. Past that, we will see. It should be noted, the man is 79 years old, so I would not expect him to come back in any full-time capacity. I think this is a smart move by Zalif, as it helps him and his team get some great advice, considering the people on the Discovery side have not had run a major studio before, and Horn is one of the best. Really, the only mess-up he made in the past 20 years is the James Gunn situation, where he was quick to fire him over old jokes. Besides that, he helped build Warner Brothers as a studio, and then Disney. The man is very smart. Other news from Warner Brothers this week included a release date for Joker 2. Officially called Joker Folle et Deux, it will now come out October 4th, 2024. Production is set to start in December, and Lady Gaga confirmed she is joining the film. That's a solid release date for it, as the first one did really well back in October of 2019. There are also rumors that a lot of it will take place inside Arkham Asylum as well, so I'm curious how this all comes together. Moving on from Warner Brothers, let's go to MGM, where it looks like they will be building out the Rocky franchise. While they have successfully continued it with Creed films, it looks like they are working on another film, Drago. Not much is known right now, but the film would focus on both the father and son from Russia. Besides that, all we know is a script is being written by Robert Lawton, and that's it. Clearly, this is a film very early in development, and might not even come out. But it's clear MGM is trying to make it work. I don't understand why they want to. Uh, They don't have that many franchises to build off of, and the Creed films have done well so far. Uh, Trigger the Father is also an iconic character from the series, so there could be some interest from fans. I think the hardest thing here is writing a story that feels like it belongs, and not just a simple cash grab. We have our first few international films submitted for next year's Oscars. This right now includes Decision to Leave from South Korea, A Piece of Sky from Switzerland, and a quiet girl from Ireland. But a quiet girl that could be an actual contender to get a nomination, as so far it has swept the IFTA festival back in March and became the first Irish language film to be shown at the Berlin Film Festival. I just want to keep an eye on that at the end of the year. 
Universal is continuing to build up their relationships with directors as they have signed Daniels to an exclusive five-year deal. The directing duo, Daniel Kwan and Daniel Steiner, who are coming off their very successful Everything Everywhere All at Once. Not much else is announced with this news, so just expect their next few films to come from Universal and not A24. They really deserve this deal, and hopefully the studio gives them the budget to do what they want to do next. I would say this hurts A24 a bit, but they are a much smaller studio and are best when working, I think, with newer and upcoming talent. I look forward to what they do next. Speaking of smaller studios, Neon is apparently looking to be sold. While Neon has been a small studio on the rise thanks to Parasite using that fame to buy more films and to build up their catalog, they are looking to expand to more streaming and TV shows, and for that they need capital. Right now there are no rumors on who is exactly interested in buying Neon. All we have is Deadline confirming with their sources that Neon does want to sell. Initially, I heard this news and was disappointed by it, because I was hoping that they would continue to build up while staying independent. You know, more competition. But I also understand that if they want to grow faster, they need capital, and one of the quickest ways to do that is to be bought out. Now, who would actually buy them? I think it would be a streaming company and not a studio. So if I had to bet money on it, I'd pick Apple first, as they have a more they are more selective in their content right now. A lot like Neon. Uh, second pick would be Netflix. The idea being Neon could become their higher quality label of films and shows, uh, and everything else would just be regular Netflix produced. Think of it as a way for Netflix to grow as well. Got a small update on Lionsgate and Stars as they also had their quarterly earnings call. CEO John Feldemer said that talks have progressed and that they expect a deal for Stars to be announced by the end of September, with the deal closing sometime next spring. Along with that, he also mentioned that talks have also included possibly selling the studio as well. As for potential buyers, Feldemer said that it includes a group of investors as well as others. He also mentioned how he thinks their library is better than MGM's, so I would say he's looking for a similar or higher price for Lionsgate. As for who would be buying them, I think it would have to be, one of the, again, one of the streaming companies, uh, but I'm not sure who. It's not Netflix's style to buy a big studio like this. Apple, well, compared to Neon, I feel the content doesn't really match their style, and Amazon just finished buying MGM. So, if I did have to bet money on it, it would probably be one of the older studios, so I'd say either it's going to be Comcast or Paramount. Paramount, I do think, is less likely, because I'm not even sure if they can afford it. But, adding all of that content to Paramount+, Plus, as well as getting franchises like John Wick, might make it worth it. Finally, we did get a trailer this week for Martin McDonough's next film, The Banshees of Irishin, which stars Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson. The setting is an island off the coast of Ireland during the Irish Civil War, and the trailer was really good. Uh, I'm really looking forward to the film and the In Bruges reunion, which that film, one of the best comedies ever made. Uh, hopefully this film comes close to it. It comes out in theaters October 21st. Got a lot of news in VOD Premium, so let's get started with the new movies in the works. Months ago, I talked about MGM working on a remake of Roadhouse starring Jake Gyllenhaal. Well, now it's being moved over to Prime Video and is moving forward in production, being directed by Doug Lehman. The plot of the remake is Gyllenhaal's character is a former UFC fighter who gets a job as a bouncer in the Florida Keys. As for the rest of the cast, it includes Danielle Melancor, Billy Magnuson, and making his acting debut, Conor McGregor. 
Deadline is exclusively reporting that for McGregor, he will be playing a character for the film and not as himself. Filming starts in a few weeks in the Dominican Republic, with no set release date yet. Overall, I'm looking forward to this, due in part to the cast, but what I found interesting is that, reading the articles about this, not one mention of MGM being involved in producing this at all. So it seems, since the way it works is under Prime Studios, there's MGM, and then a separate Prime Studio. They simply move the project from MGM to Prime Video. I wonder if any other films get moved around. As for release, I think sometime in early to mid-2023. Taking a look at Apple TV+, Plus, well, they are moving ahead with making another film, with Martin Scorsese and Leonardo DiCaprio. The film that's being produced is based off the book called The Wager, a tale of shipwreck, mutiny, and murder, written by David Grant, with it set in the 1740s. Scorsese will be directing, obviously, and DiCaprio will be starring in the film. As of now, the search is for who will be writing the screenplay for the film and completing casting for the rest of the roles. The idea for the film sounds very interesting, and obviously, having another Scorsese-DiCaprio team-up should be fun. I'm curious, though, if this one will get a wide release in theaters, either by Apple themselves or with Paramount, like Flowers of the Killer Moon. I would expect both of them would want some kind of theatrical release, but at this point, it's likely too early to work out those plans. As for Scorsese working with Apple, I take it they are giving him more or less a blank check to make films that he wants, and DiCaprio obviously loves working with him. It's it's a win-win situation for them, it's a win situation for Apple. Speaking of Scorsese and DiCaprio, their upcoming film Flowers of the Killer Moon looks like it will not come out this year and instead will be released in 2023. Deadline has the exclusive on this and they are reporting the plan for the film. Now is to premiere at Cannes Film Festival next May and then move ahead with a wide theatrical release. It's a bit of a disappointment, but I was looking forward to seeing it in this year's Oscar race, but I'm sure it'll be worth the wait. As for for another big Apple TV Plus film, Emancipation, starring Will Smith, Deadline is reporting that it might actually be released by the end of the year or early next year, but nothing is confirmed yet. For that film, releasing it won't be the issue. What will be the issue is pushing it during award season due to Will Smith being in the leading role and also being banned from the Academy. We have an update on one of the films for Peacock coming out next year. It was announced a while back that John Woo would be remaking one of his films, The Killer, for the streaming service, and they have now found their leading actor. Omar Sy has joined the film as the lead character, and you may have seen him as Lupin in the French Netflix show uh, Lupin. Right now, the film is still set to come out sometime in 2023. Right now, the film is still set to come out sometime in 2023. I think he is a solid pick to lead the film. I just find it weird that the director is remaking his own film. Hopefully it turns out well. Another new film is in the works from 20th Century Studios and it looks like to be a remake. Deadline has the exclusive on this, and that is the studio is looking to remake Working Girl, which would star Selena Gomez. The original came out back in 1988 and starred Scorny Weaver and Harrison Ford. While it's not clear if it'll get a theatrical release, Deadline is saying that it's likely to go to Hulu. I've never watched the original, but Selena can act, so if this is a film for Hulu, I think it's a safe bet. Now let's talk about Warner Brothers Discovery. The company had their quarterly earnings report and announced that in total they now have 92.1 million subscribers, up 1.7 million from last quarter, basically stagnant. It should be noted that they have changed now how they are counting subscribers going forward. They will not be including inactive subscriptions from AT&T users and legacy Discovery accounts. 
They will also not be breaking down between HBO Max and Discovery Plus and other services. Just an all-in-one number. As for the numbers for the quarter, it's not great to be honest. HBO Max did add some big films like The Batman and Secrets of the Dumbledore, as well as new seasons of shows like Barry. It should also be noted that domestically the company lost 300,000 subscribers overall, so domestically the last quarter, performance was pretty poor. Now, right now does not seem to be an outward concern for the company, mostly because they announced that they will be merging both HBO Max and Discovery Plus into one service. This has been expected, and while we did not get much info from Nier and Cole, we did get some light details. The combined service will launch domestically first next summer, and then Latin America afterwards, with Europe and Asia launch coming in 2024. As for what will be included in the service, it'll be everything that is in HBO Max and Discovery+, Plus. though based on comments from Nicole, I would expect them to make a push for live sports to be added down the road. They actually spent some time talking about the tech behind the streaming services and their apps, what they can and can't do, and live sports was mentioned. Besides that, we know nothing else like the name, the tiers for the service, and the cost for each tier. It'll, uh, it should also be noted that the company is also looking at a free ad-supporting uh, streaming service like Pluto TV and Freebie. Uh, this goes back to what the overall philosophy is now for the company, which is to make more quality content, but also maximize value from it. What that means is movies from Warner Brothers go to theaters first. No more streaming-only films. They then go to VOD, then streaming, and then physical, etc., etc. Also, based on what they said, I'd expect the fifth, I'd expect the forty-five day move for a film to go to HBO Max to start to go away. I expect that to get longer. Like it would be VOD in forty-five days, but on HBO Max, HBO Max could be at sixty days or ninety days. For the most part, if they actually produce quality content, I understand where they're coming from and support it. Clearly, as we have seen over the past few months, streaming was still in growth stage for companies, which means spend, spend, spend. But when interest rates go up, it's quick to tighten the belt. And now the focus is on profitability, which I think right now is good to focus on getting the services to a more profitable stage. For Warner Brothers, their focus is more on making the most they can from a film and then releasing on streaming. Also for TV shows, they'll still make them for themselves, but they will still be open to producing for others like how they make Ted Lasso for Apple. Also, you do have to remember, even if they love and believe this philosophy, they kind of have to do it anyway. AT&T straddled them with a lot of debt for the merger, and while they have been paying it off, they still have $53 billion to work on. That's a lot. Now let's talk about the splashier news. I love talking about the business of Hollywood and streaming, but for the general public, there was only one story from the company everyone talked about, and that was... Batgirl was cancelled. That's right, not only is it not coming to theaters or HBO Max, it will not be available anywhere to watch, and will instead be locked up at studio. That and a sequel to the animated Scooby film from 2020, which was set to come out this year. Now, why did they do this? Uh, the Scoob sequel cost them $40 million, and Batgirl was costing them close to $90 million, but it's for a tax break. The issue with the tax break they are looking to get is you can't make any money off of what you're getting a tax break for. Along with this, these films do not fit the new model of the company, where films go to theaters first, and apparently from what they saw, the films did not look high budget enough for theaters. So it was either spend more money to polish them up and release in theaters, hoping you make a return, release on HBO Max, hope you get a bump of new subscribers, or take the guaranteed tax return. The return is not much either, I think for Batgirl I saw it would be around 20 million. But again, 
they need to pay down the debt as fast as they can. Also for DC, the company is talking about a new vision and wants to see the franchise be of higher quality, and Batgirl apparently did not fit that. Personally, I, like everyone else, was shocked at the news. Even if the film was terrible, it's unheard of for a $90 million film, in post-production no less, to be canned completely. I do feel bad for Leslie Grace and everyone who worked on the film. I do think they should have finished the film and released it somehow, because they deserve to have their moment with the film's release. I know it's a different studio, but look, if Morbius can be released, this can as well. It can't be worse than that. 2022 has had some crazy stories in Hollywood, and this might be the craziest one of the year. I don't see anything topping it. Hopefully, the executive at Warner Brothers Discovery know what they are doing. Let's talk about some numbers from Paramount. They released their quarterly earnings last week and announced they now have 43 million subscribers for Paramount+. Plus. That includes gaining 4.9 million over the quarter, but losing 1.2 million from Russia due to the war. If you combine all their streaming services around the world, they are now at just at 64 million. Also for their also for their free TV streaming service Pluto, they are now at just under 70 million users. Overall, the company did have a good quarter, thanks to Top Gun Maverick raking in the cash. As for Paramount Plus, CEO Bob Bakish did note that the service is doing better than expected in the UK and in South Korea after the launch. Whether that continues to be the case remains to be seen. Also, the company confirmed that for now nothing changes with Paramount Plus, as in the budget they have allotted to spend on new content will stay the same, and as of now, there will be no price increase for any of the tiers, though it will likely happen at some point in the future. It does seem like with Netflix needing to make changes and Warner Brothers Discovery consolidating, Paramount right now is in a solid spot. They are continuing their rollout of the service while also slowly building up their content library. Considering the studio itself was in a terrible state a few years ago, uh, I'm glad to see it's doing better as well as the overall company. The more healthy competition, the better it is for everyone. Moving over to Netflix, where it looks like they may have gotten another action franchise. The Grey Man premiered in first place in 92 countries for Netflix on their metric of minutes watched over the weekend, so there's definitely some interest in it. And with that, the franchise will continue with two new films. The first, obviously, is a sequel to the first with Ryan Gosling coming back, and the Russo brothers directing. As for the second film, well, that one is going to be a spin-off, and right now will be written by Paul Wernick and Red Reese. Nothing else is known about that one, such as which character it would focus on, or if it would be a whole new cast. Personally, I'm looking forward to these move- movies. I enjoyed the first one, I thought it was a good action movie, that it knew what it was, and it delivered. As for the spin-off, as long as it has a solid cast, I'm in. Another film in the works is a new one, between the streamer and Dark Horse Entertainment, and it's called Bang, and it's based on a comic series. The comic series is a spy thriller where a terrorist group writes novels with the purpose of brainwashing people who read them. A spy is sent off to stop them and end their terror. The film already has some big names attached, with Idris Elba attached to star in the film, and David Leitch signing on to direct. Both of them will also be producing the film. I haven't heard of the comic series until now, but the premise itself is interesting. Also being a big fan of Idris Elba, I'm already willing to give this watch, and with Let Edge directing, it could be a solid film. Uh, we have a new free streaming service launching in North America, it's called Moment2, and Deadline has the exclusive details on it. As for what they are trying to do in the increasingly crowded field of free streaming services, well, they are focused on a curated global library of content, so while they will have normal free channels like poker or news, they will also have films from China and South Korea. I will say, having seen some of their lineup so far, uh, it's kind of crap. 
Now maybe there's a big refresh in a week or two when it launches, but at least right now, uh, it ain't great. Like there are some noticeable bigger Chinese films there, and they are getting a bigger Korean movie in September called The Policeman's Lineage. But the rest of the films they have are low budget ones. Now if they take those out and add some that actually make it look like a curated library, then great. But right now this ain't that. Finally, for new films out to watch, we have a few. The big one is Prey, which is on Hulu domestically, and either on Disney Plus or Star Plus, depending on where you live. I saw the film over the weekend, and it is fantastic. Definitely worth a watch, and might even be the best Predator film. Do not sleep on it. That's the big exclusive. The others are ones from theaters making their way over. Lightyear is now available to watch on Disney Plus, and Minions The Rise of Guru is available at PVOD prices on iTunes and Vudu. No date yet on when that goes to Peacock. And that is it for this episode of Box Office Receipts. What did you think of all the news from Warner Brothers regarding Batgirl? Were you really looking forward to it? And, and do you think it should be released? Let me know on Facebook. Thank you for listening. And see you next time.